Amen. If you'll go ahead and find you a Bible, uh, go get it, gather the family around, open up your Bible or turn it on. We're going to be in John 12 today, John 12, verses 12 through 16. Again, uh, if you can uh, invite your friends to be a part of the live stream, we would love to have them join us for worship as well. And I want to encourage you, uh, because of the way that we're worshiping right now, to participate. So take time, if you have a device in front of you where you have a keyboard, take time to say hi to people, uh, respond to various questions. This is a uh, unique format, and it's an opportunity for us to learn to worship the Lord in some new, unique ways. So this past Thursday, Bennett Banks turned seven years of age, and I felt really bad for him because here's a little boy sweet little boy, uh, turning seven, and he's celebrating his birthday in quarantine. In fact, if you're able to, would you just wish, just do this, uh, wish Bennett a happy birthday. Anybody else that you know that had a birthday this week, wish them a happy birthday. And I don't think I'm probably the only parent right now that is trying to get your kids to go outside more. Uh, They're home a lot, and they seem to, to not really be going outside enough. And so, I decided here would be my plan. I bought Bennett a remote control boat. We have this pond uh, out behind our backyard, and so I, I thought it'd be really cool. This mo- remote control boat can go 15 miles per hour, and so I had a vision. I had a vision of the kids would be laughing and playing, and we would spend hours out on the pond, the birds would be landing upon our shoulders, and the flowers would be blossoming behind us, and we would just be having a great time. And so the boat came, I gave it to him for his birthday, and we went out to the pond, and here was the reality. I put the boat in the water, hit the remote control, and it took off. I mean, it was, it was so cool. It was absolutely amazing, and I was thinking to myself, I'm about to win Dad of the Year. And then Camden decides he, he wants a turn, and so I give him the remote control, and he takes the remote control, and he starts running, like a four-year-old would do. Uh, but as he's running, he's holding the stick, and so the boat is going around and around in circles, and for some reason, the circles just start getting smaller and smaller and smaller until finally you just see the boat go and sink. And so I'm like, Camden, come back. I need, to, I need to try to unsink the boat. So he comes to me. I push it. The boat like soars back up out of the water, and then it just goes right back down into the water. <laughs> we had that boat in the water a total of about two minutes before it sunk. So if anyone is in Woodbridge and you find a blue boat with SS Minnow on the side, uh, you'll make a seven-year-old's day if you bring it back. Uh, don't tell the HOA because I imagine we violated some rules somewhere. I'm I'm just sure of that. But uh, I tell that story because have you ever had expectations that were shattered? It can be a very, very traumatic experience. And in fact, it leads some of us to just reduce our expectations to nothing. Sylvia Plath says, if you expect nothing from anybody, then you're never disappointed. Bill Watterson said, I find my life is a lot easier the lower I keep my expectations. Yet at the same time, uh, expectations are a part of life. Your employer expects you to be on that Zoom call, and they expect you to look presentable 
at least from the waist up, right? And, and that's new because just two weeks ago, the expectations were different. Two weeks ago, they expected you to show up for work. They expected you to be there. So there's a couple of problems here. Number one, our expectations are constantly colliding with reality, and then our realities are also constantly changing. And so this is something that I've discovered as a pastor. I spent a lot of time working with adults who, at one point in their life, they, they had big dreams, but then expectations T-boned reality. And so now, sometimes out loud and sometimes quietly, they're just saying, what happened? And it's easy for us to get angry at life. It's easy for us to allow anger to move into our lives and uh, put a lazy boy in the living room of our heart and just take up residence there. Because life is not what we envisioned. And it's easy to become cynical and maybe even feel a little bit trapped. And I think as Christians, confusion continues to inflate because as Christians, we have these beliefs. We, we believe that God loves us. We, we know that God is all-powerful. We know that God is all-knowing. And so we pray to God. We ask Him to do things, but it's not always, it doesn't always change the way that we want it. And so if we're not careful, we can even get angry at God. Or you say, no, not me. I, I would never get angry at God. Well, maybe you don't get angry at God, but you just get apathetic. Or you, you push away. Or you quit dreaming. You kind of deflate. And you stop living in the now, and you start living in the what should be's, the what ifs, the disappointments, living in the past. And here's the result. We miss out on what God is doing today. We miss out on the opportunities to be a part of something that we never envisioned, but God did. So look around for a moment. If you're sitting with other people, if you're in your living room or sitting with other people, just take a moment to, to look at each other, okay? Look at each other in the eyes. Now, careful, don't make it creepy, but just look at each other a little bit in the eyes. And, and let's say this together. You may even want to, to type it, but let's just say this out loud, okay? On the count of three, I want you to say, this is not what I expected. One, two, three. This is not what I expected. None of us expected that on Palm Sunday we would be worshiping in this way. But now there's a second thing that I would love for you to say out loud. I am expecting God to do great things. Okay? This is not what I expected, but I am expecting God to do great things through this. Let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. This is not what I expected, but I am expecting God to do great things through this. So today is Palm Sunday. It begins the Holy Week. And on this Sunday, we remember when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. So if you'll take your Bibles and look with me in verse 12 of John chapter 12. Verse 12 of John chapter 12. Here's, here's what the Scriptures say. The next day, when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, 
they took palm branches and went out to meet him, and they kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So what God was doing at this point through Jesus was absolutely huge. He was bringing salvation near to every man, woman, boy, and girl. I mean, you talk about a God-sized dream. Now, this is key. Jesus wasn't just trying to solve economic or political problems. Jesus was solving the problem of the darkened heart. And the darkened heart is the root cause of sin, injustice, suffering, even disease in this world. But here's the ironic part of this scene. Many missed what God was doing because God's plan wasn't what they expected. They expected a small, geographically contained Messiah who would solve their present problems. They were looking for a better life today, but God was desiring to bring them eternal life. They were looking for God to restore their nation, but God was desiring to restore their hearts. They were wanting a human leader who would sit upon a throne, but God sent them His divine Son. They were after the superficial needs of life, but God was bringing them the substance of life. Disaster occurs in the Christian life when we attempt to modify the plans of God and squeeze those plans into our own. So think about it for a second. When we try to squeeze the plan of God into our own dreams, who's playing God? When we say, okay, I have this dream, I have this vision, and God, I just want you to come aboard and support it. Who's playing God in that scenario? So, a little commercial here, but it's relevant. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to be teaching on prayer. I'll be on Facebook Live every morning at 10 a.m. I'd love it if you're able to join us at 10 if you can't join us at 10, you can watch the replay 24-7 on Facebook, and then we upload it later to YouTube. And I'm going to be teaching on prayer and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane because I think the Gethsemane prayer of Jesus, not only is it appropriate for Easter week, but it's also an incredible teaching moment. And so we're going to talk about how it's okay to be honest with God about how you feel. But for us to go forward, you have to reach a point in your worship and prayer when you can say, nevertheless, God, not my will, but yours be done. So the people in Jesus' day, they, they created a scene to express what they expected God to do. In the ancient world, they would have these things called triumphs. You've seen them on the, on the Roman movies where the general or the king would return from a, a great victory and they would enter the city. And when they entered the city, the people would all line the streets and they would welcome him and, and it would be an incredible moment. It was a little bit like, have you ever seen a graduation senior walk where the seniors walk around the campus and the entire school just cheers them on? It was a little bit like a senior walk on steroids. 
So Jesus is entering Jerusalem, and the people organize an impromptu triumph. Now, what was interesting is this was impromptu to them, but it was expected by God. This was something prophesied over and over again in the Old Testament. But they line the streets with palm branches, and they begin cheering and welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. In my modern mind, I, I see the confetti falling. I, I hear we are the champions playing on our Alexas. And, and I see all the celebration going because here comes Jesus. And they cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, now what does that word mean? It literally means our Savior. Here comes our King. Here comes the one who will save us. Can you picture the scene in your mind? Well, now let's stop the first century live stream for a moment. Because here's the irony. Many of the same people who were crying, Hosanna, here comes our King, here comes our Savior, many of these same people a week later would be crying out, crucify Him, crucify Him. So how does this happen? How does it move from Hosanna, here comes the Savior to crucify Him? How does this happen? Well, the reality of what God was doing through Jesus was not what they expected. All right, so let's just talk for a second. And if you've drifted a little bit, if you're surfing a different website, come back to me, okay? I've sensed something new in the air this week, and it's, it's grief. Now, I used to think that grief was something that was reserved for when someone passed away. But I've, I've come to realize that grief is a natural human reaction to loss. The bigger the loss, the larger the waves, and the more powerful and impactful that it is. But we grieve over all sorts of things. Some of you right now are grieving over a job loss. A lot of students right now are grieving over, I think of our seniors, this was supposed to be the end of their senior year. And what they envisioned is not reality, and so you grieve that. We grieve the loss of security, the loss of relationship that we enjoy. And so here's a vulnerable question. And if you're watching on a device and you're brave enough to type it, go ahead and type it out. What are you grieving today? What is it that you, you miss? I'm missing you guys today. Every time I walk in this building on Sunday mornings, I, I grieve. Even though we're worshiping and celebrating, and one of my roles is to try to push you forward and cause you to look up and think about the positive things, I, I still grieve the fact that we're not having an Easter egg hunt today after church. Uh, next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday for a pastor. The seats are supposed to be full. I, I grieve that life has changed. Now, I know that eventually we're all going to come out of the bunkers <laughs> and we'll re-engage with life. But you know, this is a historical moment. And it's one of those changing moments. Life will never be quite the same. And so I just want to say to you, give yourself permission to feel. Give yourself permission to feel. 
It's okay to grieve. In fact, Hebrews tells us that Jesus often prayed with great tears. It's, it's okay to grieve. But then please hear me on this. The story of Jesus is all about moving us from what was to what is and to what will be. We cry, we grieve, we dream, we hurt, but we always keep moving forward. And Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, we move forward with our eyes fixed on Jesus. You will miss out on what God is doing today if you're fixated on the expectations of yesterday. But now notice verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first. However, when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and that he had done that and that they had done these things to him. Now I don't know about you, but it makes me feel just a little bit better to know that the disciples had front row seats. I mean, these guys, they were there when Jesus fed the 5,000. They were in the boat when he walked across the water. They were there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. They had front row seats to Jesus' ministry. And yet, when he was riding into Jerusalem, the Scriptures say they didn't understand it either. They didn't have it all figured out either. Do you think Moses truly understood what God was doing? That God was growing him into a liberator and a leader when he was watching his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of a mountain? Do you think that Daniel truly understood that God was going to use him to change the heart of a king and ultimately an empire when he was landing in the lion's den? Do you think that Esther realized when God elevated her to the position, elevated her to the position of queen and she found herself in the king's palace, that God was going to use that as a way to help her people avoid genocide? Do you think that Mary fully understood when she gave birth to God's son and she was holding him in that manger? Do you think that she fully understood that he was born to die and rise again? None of us as parents would advise our kids to do what Peter, James, and John did. We wouldn't advise our kids to leave the family business, to leave a secure life, and go follow after a man who claims that he will make you a fisher of men. We would sit them down and we would say, okay, son, think about this. This is not wise. This is a bad career decision. There's no way God is in this. You need to go back to fishing. The disciples didn't even know what God was doing. All that they knew was that they were supposed to keep following. You see, when you don't understand what God is doing in the future, just keep trusting in what God is doing in the now. And don't miss it, because God is doing some beautiful things right now. Again, if you're on a device, take a moment and let's just share with one another. What is it that you see God doing right now? What are you thankful for? What is this crisis brought into your life that is a blessing? My life, I'm 
thankful for some extra time with family. I'm thankful for the fact that uh, God is using this to advance His kingdom. That though we did not expect to be worshiping in this way and celebrating Easter in this way, God is using it to open ears and open hearts so that others might hear. Can you imagine how confused the disciples must have been that first Easter week? God, I, I'm not sure what's going on here. All right, look, here, here's Jesus. He's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. This seems pretty cool. Oh, he is kicking all the money changers out of the temple. What's going on here? Oh, he's predicting his death. Uh, Judas, Judas really betrayed Jesus? He's been arrested. We're standing at Calvary. The sun is darkened. Jesus is dying. He's crying out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the disciples, it must have seemed like things weren't really going well. As they evaluated data, Jesus used to have massive crowds and now the crowds were yelling for his death and they were small. And all the while, God was saying, hey, just keep having faith in the now. I'm doing something that you never expected. I am doing something that is bigger than anything you could envision. Jesus can't rise from the dead unless he first of all dies. And I want you to know, God is at work. He's at work in your life. He's at work in your marriage. He's at work in your family. And He's at work in our church family. He's at work in our community. Whether you live in Murphy, Wiley, Saxe, Parker. Parker Wrights got on to me last week for not saying Parker. Richardson, Plano, Garland, Lucas, St. Paul. Wherever it is that you live. God is at work. And I want to join Him. Be a part of what God is doing in your marriage right now. Be a part of what He's doing in your family. Be a part of what He's doing in our church, in our community. God has not fallen asleep on the throne. And here's what I believe. I believe an awakening is brewing. The COVID virus is not a good thing, but I believe God is using it. He's using this story for His glory, and He's using it to open our ears and open our hearts, and I believe an awakening is brewing. It's kind of a simple, goofy thing, but it's something that I'm doing every day in my own life just to remind me of this mantra. Whenever I make a cup of coffee, I'll say to myself, an awakening is brewing. God is getting our attention. God is speaking deeply into our lives. And this Easter may be the most memorable Easter of your life. You'll never forget this season. People will be studying this season in the world's history centuries from now. And I believe that God is going to do great things in your heart, in our church's heart, in this Easter season. And the question is, will we hear His voice? Will we listen to Him? Will we see where He is at work and join Him in His work? Get beyond yourself. Five points of care, whether it's a text, phone call, whatever it might be, 
take time to reach out to other people. If you're at that point in your spiritual life where you need to bow the knee and place your faith in Jesus Christ, just call out to Him. Ask for His forgiveness. Place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Message me. Reach out to me. Text me. Find somebody that you know that loves the Lord. Say, hey, I want to trust in Jesus. It would be our distinct honor to help you with your questions and lead you through that decision. This is going to be a special week. Not because we're celebrating it at home, but because God is at work and we get to be a part of it. Church family, I want you to know that I love you. We love you. And we want to stay connected to you. We're in this together. If there's any way at all that we can pray for you, let's pray together. If we can care for you, if someone falls ill, let us know. We want to be there for one another. And let's together use this story for God's glory. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Wherever you are right now, would you just pause, take a deep breath? If you're with your family, perhaps you might join hands and form a circle of prayer. The musicians are going to come and they're going to lead us in some singing, but before they do, I, I want to lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing today. And Lord, we admit that this is not what we expected. But Father, I pray that you will help us to look around and see the beauty of the now and to enjoy the blessings that you are bringing into our lives day after day. I pray for moms that might feel overwhelmed, that you will bring calm to their heart. Pray for those of us that might be waking up in the middle of the night worried about financial security, health, our world, that you will bring a calm to our spirit. God, I pray that you will open our ears and our hearts to hear from you. Lord, help us not to waste this season spiritually. But as we look back upon this season where we had to be distant from one another, may it be a time where we were extremely close to you. Lord, help us to set our affections upon those things which are above. And Lord, we know that as we draw near to you, that you will give us strength and comfort and opportunity to draw near to others. So I pray for your hand of blessing to be upon each person that's listening. May your face shine upon the homes. May worship go forth into our streets. May hearts be changed, marriages healed, relationships restored, communities transformed. And I pray for those that are ill that you might bring healing to their bodies. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.